The following podcast is a Rotten Corpse Radio production. somewhere (laughs) (laughs) all right so we're talking to elizabeth today uh because she's an aspiring sci-fi writer and director for a movie that she's planning on hopefully going to film next year so i thought it'd be really cool for the sci-files to interview her and uh see what advice she could give to other aspiring writers and directors and uh, pick her brain a little bit about information so, hello, Elizabeth. Hello. Any information that you're willing to share about your script to the general audience out there? Sure. My story takes place 15 years after Earth was attacked, and the only survivors now reside on the spaceship that I've been calling in the Odyssey. My main character, <laughs> Krista, um, has a past that she's been keeping from the rest of the crew and while that past has finally come to light and is showing its ugly head. Okay, so it's a, it's a sci-fi space odyssey for, yes. for the ship. So um, you've got uh, people on board a big ship. Um, what was your inspiration for your story? Did you have, did you, um, when when you were thinking of becoming a sci-fi writer uh, and director, or just a director, period, did you have a story in mind, or was sci-fi always going to be it? My movie writing, directing career started when the Star Trek Enterprise went off the air. I had decided that I had just uh, finished watching Next Generation, I was almost finished with Deep Space Nine, and I had decided that um, we needed another Star Trek show on the air, and so I was going to write it. And I originally was going to base it off of the Deep Space episode where they ran across a ship that was being ran by kids where um, adults had taken them out for a long training session, a months-long training session, and somehow all the adults had died and the kids were the only ones left. So that kind of was where I started my writing at and realized um, shortly after that I had a different path that I wanted to take my story on. And I just... I guess I think the general story would have been too... uh, 
it would have been like a really interesting like science fiction children of the corn if mm-hmm. you think about it yeah now it's kind of i was kind of like those weird like off episodes where they do something completely different on star trek um especially like in next generation that developed a lot um but Deep Space Nine definitely lent itself to it because, you know, with all the different avenues you can go, either on the ship itself or the Defiant. Like going back in time to the very first Star Trek. Yeah, where they, <laughs> yeah. It, the Star, Star Trek universe definitely did a lot of nods to itself. Past. Yeah, and I always felt kind of, I don't know how you guys felt about this, but... Um, I remember hearing um, that Brent Spiner said that he wanted to do like the next movie because he felt like, um, you know, he felt like it need, <laughs> he felt like it needed to happen and need to be told. It was there was a story he could tell, um, but it never actually happened. Like after Nemesis, there was pretty much nothing until the reboots came out. So. Okay. So, how'd you how'd you feel about the reboots, Liz? I um, am a big fan of the reboots. Not the third one, though. No. I thought the third one was horrible, but was um, I've never really been <laughs> the original series kind of person. Yeah. And so, I actually hit it off really well with this new version yeah. of Star Trek that came out. I was really excited. I love Chris Pine, and I people are gonna shoot me for not remembering what Spock's name who plays Spock, but oh, it's um. God damn, he was, a, he was an American horror story. Oh, we have more than one uh, person. Uh, something Quentin? Yeah, uh, Zachary <laughs> Quinto. Zachary Quinto. Yeah. Um, yeah, here on the Sci-Files, we don't know our Sci-File facts. <laughs> the, the only one that actually kind of bummed me out was um, after the third one was made, Anton Yelso uh, died. And that was yeah. uh, that was really, really a real big bummer because he was such a talented guy. Mm-hmm. And I can't see anybody playing Chekhov other than him. It doesn't make sense, you know, because he just played it. He played it to like his best ability, and he was really good at being that reboot guy. You know, he was like Reese and like Terminator Salvation. He was in the Fright Night remake. He was in that. You know, he 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 had done so many different characters, um, and that's when he really kind of strived that. You know? And I'm 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 totally zoning. I know that there was the first Star Trek reboot movie. And yeah. Into the Darkness. And then uh, Star Trek Beyond was the last one. Had the... Um... That's the one where he gets stranded on this planet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And now I was like... <laughs> I was zoned... Uh, maybe the, uh, I apparently didn't like it enough. <laughs> or he, he probably fell asleep through it. <laughs> uh, I could have fallen asleep through it, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the main girl that was in that, the, the one that was stranded on the planet, um, she was in the new Mummy movie also. She was the mummy. The one yeah. with the, the Tom Cruise movie. The Tom Cruise yeah. movie, yeah. But, um, yeah, we can talk about that another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I whole still, new picture. I still haven't even seen it, so. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So, Liz, is your story, as as you're, you're, you're putting your finishing touches on, you're getting it all together for uh, your goal of filming it next year, is it still actually evolving? Or have you pretty much got it on track? Um, it's a rewrite after rewrite after rewrite (laughs) experience writing a movie. I mean, you think you have it down and then, um, another better idea comes up and then you're trying to work that in. And I can't tell you how many times I've outlined my story, you know, trying to figure out where everything's going to happen. 
And so I, I'm honing down on all the events that are going to happen and then get the script written with the goal that it's going to be finished by the end of the year with hopefully doing an indie style shoot next summer. Okay, that's very cool. So any advice for other aspiring writer, movie directors? Um, learn your craft. <laughs> One reason why it took me so long to finish my story was because I thought, oh, how hard could it be? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's slowly over, you know, the years I've been reading books and watching video tutorials and, you know, taking classes and learning stuff that I didn't know that I was supposed to be doing. So it's good to, to do your research on what it actually entails to script write and, yeah. you know, learn your craft before you start. Don't feel too bad. I mean, like, when Rotten Corpse uh, Radio started, it started out as Rotten Corpse Entertainment, which was a horror movie company. Uh, we did nothing but film, like, really bad short films. And my only real experience with script writing was just the two scripts I read ever. And that was in high school. <laughs> it was like, and I was in the, I was actually in play production back then. So, like, we were, um, we, we were having to, uh, read only the parts that applied to us and not the rest of the script and that's kind of what I had to go with which was kind of scary when writing my first screenplay because I was kind of like oh, what's supposed to go in here other than dialogue you know right. <laughs> it's like it's like am I just gonna make people do stuff and then not know what to do or you know how are we gonna do this in rehearsal and everything else had to kind of make sense so going back and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting was like insane but had to be done, you know. Um, as far as um, as far as this script goes, um, with the you know with the general writing, uh, what were the biggest hurdles other than um, kind of having to read, you know, other than having to learn everything? Did you have anything within the story, like storytelling itself, or? Um, I feel like that's the middle act has been really difficult for me yeah because and also having too much story to tell yeah has really been throwing me off too i've been having way too many plot lines going um i also took um a really big leap for my first script and i i have two parallel stories going on at the same time but you don't know which one's real huh and so um and there's also two antagonists in the movie, and so they each have their their thing going on. And so it was it was difficult for the first movie doing something, you know, so yeah. what could be extreme, <laughs> you yeah. know, when you really don't know your. I mean, I know a lot more craft than I did when I started, but um, but when I mentioned this kind of storyline to a professional, he was like, "Do you really want to start there?" <laughs> had problem just in when I originally started writing I had my all this storyline for my character's past and the present and the future and I mean I've come up with so much stuff that I have I think I'm on I have six movie ideas and a TV show idea oh. that I could pull out of this I mean it could really be a, be a big series of stuff which is good yeah and I mean even just taking taking this into consideration just Maybe even chopping it down all the films into separate series. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. um, which is also kind of a fun thing to do. Because um, web, webisode series are, you know, they're still a thing. I mean, I know... Oh, they're a, getting popular, yeah. actually. I remember watching, I think the last web series I, I watched, um, besides um, that kind of online reboot of Star Trek, because there was uh, Star Trek, I think it was called Phase, Phase 2 or something like that. Um, it, it was done using replicas of the original set um they had like very different storylines going on for and it was, it was it was about the original series too so you, actually you're talking uh, if i if i know what you're talking about it was called star trek continues uh done by vic manana something and, like that yeah uh, actually had uh james duhan's son in it playing hmm. scotty uh grant imahara from mythbusters played sulu i think so yeah yeah so he remembers those days, but he can't remember Spock. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, which is funny because at my job, you know, you know, my name's Axel, of course, and I'm on the phone constantly doing IT work for people. And so I say, "Hey, how you doing? My name's Axel." And they go, "Oh, hey, hi, Zach." And I'm like, "How are you getting Zach out of my name?" And I can't remember Zachary Quinton's name. <laughs> I get called Zach all the time. It is I don't understand how it works, but apparently it works. Mm. <laughs> oh man. So Liz, I have a question for you. Out of all the things you've learned and have experienced since you started this, if you had to go back and relearn everything, would there be a different way of going by about it? Yeah, I probably, um, I started off for several months just writing the story versus actually knowing what it could and cannot be in scripts, um, you know, how the formatting worked, how story structure really worked. I mean, I've taken my writing classes and stuff in school, but, um, you know, there's a difference between writing an essay, writing a novel, and writing a script, and just having that knowledge base would have been really helpful, and I think I would have been a lot further along than I am today. Now, as a director, have you, uh, have you done any other projects um, that will kind of aid in your um, direct, you know, directorial debut for this film? Um, not until I recently started um, a cooking show with Axel called Cooking Out the Pounds, ah. and um, I've been um, directing that with Heather's help on the cameras, and I'm in the process of editing the, the videos that we have taken so that we can get them posted on YouTube. Nice. Um, and I think my other big question, because uh, I'm not sure if this was um, something we were thinking about before, but how much of your story discovered is being utilized here with, uh, you know, with the creation of your script. Um, right now, um, our website has not been able to get to the point where I can utilize it for this, hmm. but it's been inspiration yeah. to get the website because with the challenges that I've had in screenwriting and the challenges uh, Heather's had in writing her novel, our 
ideas for your story discovered would benefit both novelists and screenwriters to help guide in that process of writing your stories? What we are slowly working on, and hopefully we'll be able to get some of it out soon, um, is some workbooks. Uh, we're just trying to figure out how we're going to do it, because we can't do it the way we really wanted that it's meant to do online. Yeah. So there's a couple things we're trying to figure out. So there are going to be some workbooks we're going to be throw, hopefully throwing out in the next few, throughout the next few months, hopefully. And then to help fellow writers, both film and literary, that could develop their stories. And then we're also working on, I'm also slowly doing um, the admin research to get all the lists for agents and publishers so we could have that on our site, which is one of the things that people wanted. Hmm. So hopefully that might be coming out so we could get that at least better tested. So that's simple coding right there. All right, well that's cool. So, all right, for this segment, I guess we'll thank Liz for taking time out of her busy rewrite schedule. <laughs> thank you for having me. And uh, I appreciate uh, coming down and uh, I'm more than happy to watch your movie and uh, or TV series and critique it vigorously uh, on the sci-fi's. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, Tabitha, my cat, does send her apologies for the spastic meows. Uh, apparently, the food we given her was not enough, and my husband Axel during this time was kind enough to feed her, so that couldn't get to the food at. Because Kitty's big grumpy. Kitty's <laughs> big grumpy. <laughs> Enjoyed the interview with Liz. Um, she's super, I'm sure she's super excited about getting the project is. off the ground. She is. is. She really is. And she, she always, always gets really excited and animated when she talks about her project. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, she, she, this, is, this is her lifelong love. So. <laughs> and speaking of uh, lifelong journeys, mm-hmm. there you go. Um, we're going to do a little brief on the movie Black Panther. Uh, that that it came out um, about a month or so ago. Now, what did you guys think of the film overall? Like, not really overall, but like in comparison to other Marvel movies that you've seen so far. That's a good question. <laughs> so, compared to all the Marvel movies, I think it's probably one of the best they've done world building wise yeah but I think that's just because they just had they just you could really tell they did very detail oriented and they compared to a lot of the other world buildings they've done so far in the in Black Panther yeah my only real problem was because they concentrated on the world building the storyline lacked a little bit in some places a little bit yeah I think the 
I think the one takeaway from it that I had was here they're telling a very unique story for a character that probably a lot of people are not familiar with. I know I didn't know who the fuck Black Panther was. and I did. And then by the end of that movie, um, I was like, well, holy shit, you know? <laughs> Where was this guy, you know? And, and a lot of the cartoons and stuff like that that I was growing up with. I, for me, it was... It had good action, mm-hmm. good choreography, great effects. Uh, loved Andy Serkis's role in this. Like, he did a brilliant job. Yeah. But I don't think I've seen him in anything that's been bad yet. But he got he got to play more of a character in this movie than any of the other Marvel movies, and I thought he was brilliant. He was. He, he was really good. I think yeah. the, I think between him and and the other. Uh, and the other fun-loving Hobbit, uh, yeah, making them the Tolkien white people in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny that they had a British guy play a American CIA. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> but and I liked the world-building part. Yeah, and I, I understand for what Marvel has been trying to do which is build the entire universe which they're bringing into the culmination of Infinity War that's coming out in just a few days yeah. which is one of the reasons we're talking about it now because we're going to count yes. on count on that review coming up soon yes definitely um, uh, so they did the world building so you know the, the introduction of Wakandan tech into the world to help fight Thanos um, I think is important but something was just lacking in the movie for me that left me just a little disappointed, and I cannot quite put my finger on it. For me, it was when he when he supposedly dies, yeah, and then he suddenly appears. There was no struggle between that death point and when he survives. To me, a hero has to struggle, and he didn't really struggle. He just died. And then, oh, hey, look, I'm back. You know, I feel like there needed to be more in that between those two, in yeah. between that gap. I think they kind of had the Russia with, um, with him and, um, you know, and uh, Michael um, B. Jordan's character um, a little bit because there was so much, they were putting so much emphasis on, you know, what can, uh, you know, Wakanda do. You know, yeah. what can be done here? You know, we've got all this, you know, we've got this, uh, you know, this crazy-ass metal we're able to do amazing things with, and the technology base in that alone is a good setting for what they're going to do with it going into Infinity Wars. But I think that's really all this movie was, was a setup for another character to be in Infinity Wars. It was. And, and, well, I mean, and bringing in, I mean, the, the technology and the fact, yeah. I mean... Uh, I mean, if you the interviews for or interviews, the previews for Infinity War that have come out, you've seen an army, you know, two armies going to be fighting. Oh yeah. And so I imagine it's going to be a lot of Wakandan stuff in that. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, I I mean in, even in the preview when Captain America shows up, yeah. you know, somebody get this man a shield. Next thing you know, he's got vibranium 
you know, Wakandan yeah. tech shields. <laughs> you know. Now imagine so, what they're gonna be able, what Tony Stark's gonna fucking do with that stuff. <laughs> I mean, just imagine. Oh, I know. <laughs> just imagine. But see, he's crazy had access brain. to vibranium before. Yeah. But 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 in large quantities. In large quantities. <laughs> I like to yeah. study Stark and the Black Panther's sister kick just start going geeky all over the vibranium oh, stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But see, here's uh, something that, that actually makes me curious about vibranium mm-hmm. is it is the second super metal in the Marvel universe. How does vibranium and uh, vibranium stack up against adamantium? That's a good one. You know, and could there be an adamantium vibranium alloy that could be just Ooh. pumped out, which would be that'd be interesting. That yeah. would be interesting. Could you have a Wolverine version of the vibranium? Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. Is that, um, yeah, I mean. Because everything in the Black Panther's um, outfit is made with the, you know, vibranium. His yeah. claws, the mesh of his yeah. outer outfit. Um, Which nanotech vibranium actually, devices? Yeah. yeah. And that's actually badass, by the way. The whole yeah. keep being Just, able to suck that energy in and then use it outward. Yeah. That was actually cool. Yeah. And I, I really loved his. Um, like I, I, that was the one thing I really liked was that end fight scene with him and Michael Jordan. It feels weird saying that because I know I keep thinking of the ball player. I'm so yeah I know like I remember when uh, me and me and Stavro we sat down and watched um, we actually watched the uh, the follow up to the Rocky series um, with him and where he plays Apollo Cruz's son. Yeah, I or, haven't seen that. Or not Apollo Cruz. I'm sorry, that's the pro wrestler. Apollo Creed. Yeah, Apollo Creed. Uh, yeah, pro wrestling gets stuck in my brain sometimes. But yeah, <laughs> Apollo Creed, uh, and it was such a good movie. I mean, the storytelling was fucking great. I could see him being that next guy that just keeps that that whole thing going, if that's um, Sylvester Stallone's intention. Yeah. But. Okay, I, I, have to, I have to say this, because, you know, I, I'm, this is going to be like, I, I'm going to show my white guy here, all right? Yeah. I'm fully going to show my white guy here. Because um, I have to be honest, when I first saw that uh, Michael B. Jordan's uh, in the previews, because I don't remember, I didn't see the the other anything else that he's been in. Yeah. But I saw him, and my first thought was, "Damn, Nick Cannon bulked up." <laughs> he did look like Nick Cannon. He looked, I was like, "My," is like, "Damn, Nick Cannon bulked up." <laughs> I actually thought it was Nick Cannon too at some point because he does look like Nick Cannon. You know, no offense, Nick and, and, and you know Michael. It's just I just that's that was my first thought. Is you know y'all don't look alike to me. I swear. Yeah, like I, I didn't even recognize him from the few things I'd already seen him in. Like he was actually in uh, the Fantastic Four movie. Um, the you know the redo. Of and that. I saw the Fantastic Four movie, but yeah. I didn't. He was in uh, The Wire. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I've gone. I went through that whole series. I didn't even recognize him. I was like, he was also in Chronicle. He's one of the four kids in Chronicle. Chronicle was probably like, if you get a chance to uh, watch it, it's um, it was written by John Landis's son, uh, Max Landis, and it's probably the only really cool found footage movie out there, and it's kind of it kind of has that weird superhero vibe to it. And cool. 
but it, it was definitely a good movie. And, I mean, he's been in so many other things, and it's just, you know, but, I'd, but I, the only thing I'd actually seen him in was uh, the uh, Creed movie. That was, that was pretty much it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's my take on Black Panther is just good action, good effects, good story, just something in it. Left me a little disappointed. I, kinda, I can't figure out what it is. You know, and I kind of wondered to myself, too, because I was watching the movie, and the first person I recognized right after that was uh, Denai Guerrero. Uh, she is, uh, her character from The Walking Dead is Michonne, you know, the samurai sword, and here she has this crazy, like, vibranium spear that she just, like, totally kicks people's ass with in this movie, and I was thinking to myself, with all this weapon play that she gets, you know, it's just turned her into a weapons enthusiast, you know, like, <laughs> as, a, you know, as an actress, you know, because as an actress, she's just playing the character. Yeah. But she's a believable badass. Well. <laughs> Seriously. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. You, you bring that up, but um, uh, there was an interview after John Wick 2. Yeah. Of uh, Keanu Reeves. And... Uh, and they were talking to some of the people who actually, uh, the, the professionals who weren't in the movie, but they did the training and stuff yeah. for the actors so that, you know, this is how, you know, you should react, this is the gunplay and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And apparently Keanu actually got seriously into his training for not only The Matrix, but, you know, uh, the, the, the John Wick movies and, and yeah. whatnot, and that one of these professional, you know, former Special Forces, you know, consultants basically said, yeah, Keanu knows his stuff. I would not want to meet him in a dark alley and have to fight him. <laughs> I would not. He knows what he's doing. And he's good. He's scary good. Now, so, here's my other thing, too. With uh, so, so going back to the Infinity Wars, do you think there's... I mean, they're showing a lot of it in the preview right now. Mm -hmm. um, they're showing a lot of the... Uh, you know the stuff from Black Panther in it. You know with the you know with the Wakandan tribes, uh, mm -hmm. and then of course uh, the the group of misfits from the Guardians of the Galaxy, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of that whole me stupid you smart kind of kind of jokes going back and forth. The only thing I was kind of bummed with was, do you think they're gonna try to go with more Joss Whedon-ish kind of comedy in this movie or? Do you think they might do a stretch and maybe they had James Gunn do a little writing on the script and, and, and we'll get some of the Guardians like uh, I, I, I I don't know. I really don't. Um, I would have to look into who wrote what, really, like the details of that yeah. to know for sure. I, I'm looking forward to, I mean, like... Because I'm kind of scared that some of the comedy styles from those movies will actually get lost. You know. Well, you know, that's the thing, though. I, I, I also saw Thor Ragnarok. And I love that movie. It was awesome. The yeah. whole interplay with Thor and Doctor Strange yep. and Loki, <laughs> I just busted up laughing. It was like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> you know, I've been falling for 30 minutes. Okay, I laughed my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> I think, in general, it probably won't be too bad. Granted, you're going to have two different writers with slightly different personalities. Um, I don't honestly know who writes who, because I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of my laughable is, like, 
I love, in the Marvel series, I love the character foreplays that the mishmash foreplays they do with the Doctor Strange, yeah. the Loki, and all that stuff. In Guardians of the Galaxy, I loved it more about the, what was funny for me was a lot of the action stuff that was funny, like yeah. Rocket blowing everybody up yeah. with those little, like, blasters. Hey, anybody got any duct tape? You know, okay. Uh, I, I have to say that if they're going to bring some of the Guardians of the Galaxy humor into it and mix it in with uh, the other Marvel Universe humor, it needs to be like the first movie, first Guardians of the Galaxy. The yeah. second one was, yes, it was funny, but that movie was fucking dark. It was, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm just like, oh, sorry, excuse me, pardon my French. It was freaking dark. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm hoping it more goes towards the lighthearted first episode mm. of that one. Yeah, because, like, I think for me it was uh, the, what got me into the Marvel or watching any of the Marvel movies because I like the X-Men's to a point. Like some of them, I was like the third X Men, I really hated. Um, and then when they would start, when, when they went to the uh, the first class, the yeah, class. They when, did when they went with first class, yeah, I love those. Those were actually really good. Love J- James McAvoy as fucking uh, Xavier, um, and everybody that they picked was, you know, did a really good job. Uh, but the thing that got me the most, uh, and is when I saw the first Avengers movie. It kind of took me out of it because it was like. It wasn't as good. Like, it, like some of the comedy kind of got lost, you know. Like, um, like some of the stuff you would see in the Iron Man movies, you know. Yeah. The, the cheekiness of Tony Stark it kind of disappeared. He got way too serious, and then it became more about Bruce Banner having that, you know, being that character instead. Uh, his bumbling character um, into the Hulk. Uh, that was the other thing I loved about Ragnarok too. Well, <laughs> yeah. The Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> World War Hulk and Planet Hulk. That, I love uh, that. Yeah. You also have to remember that as the movies progress, they're all linked together and they all have their own stories being yeah. told. So during the Avengers, I mean, during the first Avenger movie, uh, Tony Stark was was hilarious to a point. I mean, he still did his stupid uh, takeover. You know, the data and then try to figure out where. Um, and, and yeah, many, shocking, many shocking, many shocking Bruce <laughs> yes. Banner. I mean, yeah. he did the typical... Nothing? Yeah? No? <laughs> so, <laughs> even though he was a little more serious, he still did the little small things that made yeah. him Tony Stark. Yeah. But this was also, the, his storyline was coming from Playboy to coming to the, okay, now I've got to shoot my ass up into space and hopefully come back. That was his story from actually doing... Playboy and that's and, and that's probably why I like the Iron Man movies is mm-hmm. because Tony Stark is very much a like a a, a hyper intelligent version of Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the DC world and and folks things a lot more yeah well yeah okay but the difference between the movies and the comic books though is that Tony Stark goes through his his evolution I mean he yeah. ends up. Being an out, becoming a serious alcoholic at, uh, at part of the the comic book series, and yeah, I know these are things based on the different writers and artists as as they're doing it, yeah. and that's why the evolution happens. But 
you didn't you haven't really seen that part in the movie. And the fact that Robert Downey Jr. physically went through that metaphor. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> in real life, in and real he life. went through a lot of drugs he, and alcohol. He could have played it really well. Yeah. It's funny yeah, life how experience. I I haven't seen him in like ever, and then all of a sudden he's in Sherlock Holmes and then the Iron Man. Yeah. I really liked him in Sherlock. Oh, and that's the other thing too. We'll get two Sherlocks in this movie. Yeah. What oh, was yeah. that? You said, wasn't it you that said this online? Benedict Cumberbunch and uh, uh, he was doing Sherlock, the the British TV series, and now we got Tony Stark. It would be funny if they make a nod to it <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, like like uh, like fucking uh, Doctor Strange does something stupid, and he's like, or he asks a stupid question, and Tony Stark looks at him and goes, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, <laughs> I know, it'll be funny if they do a nod. Actually, possibly three if you bring in the CIA guy. But which one? The American, the guy that's playing the, the, the Hobbit, the guy that plays the American CIA in the Black Panther. If he makes an appearance, that makes it three people that did a Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, well, yeah, but he's playing Watson. We're talking two actors who have played Sherlock Sherlock Holmes yeah yeah Cumberbatch and uh, the Sherlock series on BBC and then and um, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. for the movies movies yeah. and for those of you who never see the Sherlock Holmes British version see that because you'll never be able oh, to go back to see Elementary yeah I cannot watch Elementary I can't anymore. watch Elementary anymore either because of that the British series I couldn't get into Elementary anyway there was nothing that uh, there was nothing that um What's his name? Uh, Johnny Lee Miller or um, Lucy Liu were going to help to save any of that for me. I was like, because I love Lucy Liu. I've seen her in a lot of stuff. I, I think know fucking their, Johnny Lee Miller is fucking awesome. I think it's just their way of eventually having a romance between Watson and Sherlock. Yeah, without it, yeah, without <laughs> without it being weird. <laughs> without it being weird. I don't know. It could still be weird. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, it was it was the uh, was the eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to Infinity War. Black Panther was okay, and uh, Ragnarok was awesome, and yeah. So that's for all of that. That's my take on it. And we have a walk-in. We have a walk-in. Henry has appeared. The thin air. So. Uh, Black Panther, what did you think? Haven't seen it yet. Okay. Are you uh, looking forward to the new X-Men Wars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your hope? What is your the Ask most a hope stupid question <laughs> that they will bring in or will have? Uh, Adam Warlock will make an appearance, but I know that's not going to happen. Oh. It's really unfortunate because it's a really awesome, cool character. They gave somebody else a soul stone. Hmm. Maybe next time, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably. Not. You hear that, Marvel? You have you have a character you need to bring in. Hey, well, you know they are gonna defeat Thanos in the end, and the Infinity Stones will get split up. Maybe he ends up with it that way. That would be neat, and then they can do the whole war with the Magus, which is his uh, other part. Yeah, hmm. his pre-incarnation, I think. There you go. There you go. All right, so that'll be it for this uh, episode of Sci Files. Uh, join us next time when we dissect a pig <laughs> or a monkey <laughs> or 15 small children. Yay. You decide. That, honestly, Twitter, Paul. <laughs> is, 
I think that's the horror show he's confusing here with the sci-fi. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about like a cyborg monkey pig or something, then maybe. Ooh, that's that's what. There you go. That's it. Cyborg pig. No. Monkey. No. Okay. You need to take Wakandan vibranium, adamantium, and experiment on a monkey and turn it into a Wolverine-esque wild macaque. That'd be pretty cool. That would be awesome. He already wrote a book about that, Pack-Ack Macaque. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't read it yet, you need to. It is incredibly funny. <laughs> and there's dirigibles in it. <laughs> Radio. <laughs> <laughs>